prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. because I'm pretty sure it's time for another excellent episode of Gutter Boys. Gutter Boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins, the outs, the highs, and the lows of making comics. I'm your host, JB, with my co-host, Cam, just in case this is your first episode. Uh, If it's not, well, you already know. Today, we are joined uh, by no one, actually. This is an interview that we did while we were in Hawking Hills over in our nice little cartoonist cabin retreat. Uh, We talked to a bunch of different cartoonists, and uh, I believe this interview, along with uh, Emmy Guinness, is our last one from that, I I think. Yeah, this is the second to last one that we have. Yes. Uh, So for this interview, we're joined with Alex Nall, Chicago-based cartoonist, educator, although I don't know if he's still teaching anymore. Is he? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I know that he was for a while, did yeah. a series of comics about it at Kilgore. Uh, we get into that, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. God, it's crazy that that shit was like six months ago at this point. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. And yeah. we've all... But also it doesn't. ...grown and changed so much since then. Yeah, they are about to do another winter retreat. And, yeah, uh, pe- the people are going to die this time, I think. Yeah, so let's let's read the, uh, the people that are going to die and congratulate them. <laughs> yeah, here's our uh, in advance, uh, in memoriam. Yeah. <laughs> Victoria Douglas, Madeline McGrain, <laughs> C.M. Campbell, Ali Tregoso, Andy Weiland, Sam Zabo, Emmy Guinness, Heather Losey, Maxwell J. Singletary, Mike Freyheit, E. Joy Mayer, Liz Yerby, Nate McDonough, my baby boy. Mike Centino, Eileen Chavez. No, not really. You guys aren't going to die. MS is being very safe with the uh, protocols. I'm actually uh, jealous that I'm not going to be there. I might pop in for a day depending on, you know, how I feel and everything. I mean, uh, I posted on social media. I fucked around and I'm uh, COVID positive right now. Um, (laughs) I'm uh, 100% certain I got it from work because we had four people (laughs) go out with it. Um, I am vaccinated and so forth. I mean, knock on wood, you know, besides like a bad cold and uh light body aches uh i'm okay but uh yeah jb's sick too with some he's got like covid 20 or some shit (laughs) um (laughs) yeah this might be the end honestly of gutter boys (laughs) yeah if if, you know what a legacy we leave um (laughs) you know (laughs) no but uh you know congratulations to those of you all going to the cartoonist retreat it is going to be awesome it was a great experience uh this interview with alex you know i don't i have it it's been a while since uh we've done it so i don't remember too much from it so i'm gonna go listen back but i know it was good i remember talking to alex and being excited to talk to him because uh we've been talking about getting alex on since the first year i feel like that's like everybody but um we actually say that exact same phrase in in the interview (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> do uh, but, we really? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, it's a really good interview. I listened to it, obviously, since I edited the thing. But uh, yeah, it was really good. We talk a lot about uh, really how we got from point A to point B, uh, how he started getting into cartooning and comics, uh, how he got into becoming an educator and uh, the books that he's worked on and what he's currently working on and what we should expect from uh, Alex in the very near future. It's all good. And, you know, Alex is a very lovely guy. He's like my favorite Chicago dad. Uh, he's he's yeah. the best. Uh, so, yeah, great interview. Definitely tune in for this one. If you're listening to this, you obviously, obviously are. Uh, this Whatever this cold that I have is, is like fucking with my brain. So, it probably is COVID of some kind. And, and uh, you know, I have some kind of like neurological issue right now. But uh, it's all good. I, um, I'm still praying for death. So, it's fine. And I'm taking applications for a new co-host when JB kicks the bucket. So, yes. um, or if I just become ahead. brain dead, <laughs> or maybe I can do like a Stephen Hawking type thing. So, like my all of my contributions will be through a voice simulator from like a computer. That would be sick. We can make it sound like Kane from that. Oh era. hell yeah, that would rock. Yeah, it could be anyone. I feel like yeah. AI voice technology is so advanced now. Like right. uh, Stephen definitely got screwed in the pooch with that one because nowadays you could sound like a British lady and it would sound completely indistinguishable from a real human being, and that's kind of creepy. But if uh, only he had studied that instead of uh, you know physics or whatever the fuck he was studying. Yeah, yeah, he was too busy chasing puss. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. was really the, the real yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> what was the movie, The Theory of Everything or whatever? I didn't see it, but uh, I think there was a romance angle to that. It's a Hollywood big budget biographical movie. So, of course, there has to be some kind of romantic angle. Right, That's like a course, requirement. Right. Otherwise, people aren't going to fucking yeah. watch it or care. Mm-hmm. Going back to uh, Cabin Guest and uh, just going to go ahead and get some shilling out of the way. On our next Patreon episode that drops next Monday, friend of the show, previous guest, and uh, first retreat attendee, Patrick Ian Rooks, will be back on the Patreon. Uh, we're looking to have a good time with our boy, the original child of comics before Jasper and Nate came in and said, get the fuck out of here, you old bitch. No, I'm just kidding. All peace and love to Pat. But you could check out our Patreon at gutterboys.top for $5 a month. You can get bonus episodes, $10 a month, bonus episodes, zines, and uh, yeah, that's it. But patreon.com forward slash gutterboys or gutterboys.top. Yeah, it's very unfortunate that Pat was uh, banned from any future uh, Hawking Hills retreats due to an incident that we cannot speak of. Yeah, but, really uh, sad. You know what? We still support our brother in arms. You know, he's one Actually, of the fellas. If you want to hear why Pat got expelled from Hawking Hills and future retreats, uh, tune into our Patreon at uh, gutterboys.top. Oh, that's We're right. Yeah, talk the incident about that happens. On the bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we actually had to no. bleep that out in the uh, bonus because it was a little too vulgar for our <laughs> even for our Patreon <laughs> listeners. We didn't want to get canceled. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is true. This is true. Uh, anyway, also some more shilling. Uh, I am still taking commissions. I have, I think, four more slots available. Uh, maybe three. I haven't really checked my list again. Again, brain damage. I'm sorry. But mm-hmm. uh, you will get your commissions in the mail if you've already placed an order. It will go out probably within the next week and a half. Uh, you just got to give me some time to recover here and, and get my marbles straightened. But uh, yeah, anyway, the commission list, uh, I'm doing 9 by 12 inked drawings of your choosing within reason, obviously. And with each commission, you get a free print. It'll be a random print, one of the several... I don't know. I think I have like seven or eight different kinds of prints that'll be included, plus some extra stickers and uh, a random zine that I'll be throwing in there. uh, And that'll go out to you uh, with hugs and kisses, uh, but not actual hugs and kisses because I don't want to get you sick. Uh, I'll actually be licking 
all of my commissions before they get sent out. <laughs> and uh, in a nice, you know, those like little dime bags, uh, those little dime Ziploc bags. I'll have that with just my spit and cum just mixed up in there mm. for you. No, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, 9 by 12 ink drawings with all those extra things thrown in uh, completely for free. The commissions are not free. Just clarifying, uh, $100 each. Uh, just DM me at Mark Crimp Jr. for more information. I, I have bills to pay, folks. There you please, go, folks. Please help me. Please help me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, what else do we have to shill? So, uh, no more shilling, but, um, you know, we talked about it on the Patreon. We have fallen behind on shouting out people that send us really cool comics in the mail. So, um, we're going to do half of everybody today, uh, just because sometimes it gets a little long-winded. And then on the next intro for the next episode, we're going to shout everybody else out. As always, if you do want to send us comics, just DM us at GutterBoysPod on Instagram or my personal account at CamDelRosario. You can send comics to both of us separately, or you can send us a couple copies to me, and I forward them to JB once a month. Um, but yeah, we definitely really appreciate any and everybody that does send us stuff, so we're going to get into some shout-outs here. Oh, also, if you're one of those cool people that don't have an Instagram, hats off to you. You can email us at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, speaking of pimps that are uh, not on social media, we got another email from Pierre Dola. So uh, if you do subscribe to the Patreon, uh, we read Pierre's uh, last email. I went ahead and got another email from him. I don't know if he heard the episode or what, or if it was just, you know, awesome timing. But he said, hey, want more mags? If you want more super latex mags gifts, could you send me again your address with uh, a flurry of emojis, including the Parthenon, a baseball stadium, a ghost, and a salsa dancer? So, uh, Pierre offered to send us books and, uh, I shot him an email saying, yeah, you know, here's the address, go ahead and send whatever you got. And, uh, he has a new book coming out from Fanagraphics Underground, which is like the smaller print run, uh, Fanagraphics imprint. And it's called Corona Bible. Uh, this thing is huge, folks. Uh, 500 pages. Don't know the price, but Fanagraphics did post about it on their Instagram a few days ago. There's a Tony Soprano drawing in one of the featured drawings. So, you know, already going siren mode on it. But, um, really hoping that, uh, Pierre sells out that run um, because Fanagraphics Underground is uh, one of those like smaller imprints that do like one run and then it's you know once it's done it's done I don't really think they do reprints to be honest I don't think they have yet so you could check that out from Fanagraphics uh, it says coming soon I don't know the exact date but you know if you're listening to this you probably follow them so make sure to check that book out but I did invite Pierre on the show to uh, talk about this, and he shot us an email, and uh, he said, Hey, I'm sending a small package this time. In parentheses, it shrinks when it's cold. But today, I'll send the super late Xmas gift. Unfortunately, I'm not a fluid English-talking human, so unless you can find a Polish-English translator, the possibilities of having a non-written talk are smaller than my weenie. Love the pod, keep on pumping, bye. And then we have another flurry of emojis with the uh, Parthenon, an explosion, a radio, a treble clef, a globe nine tenths in a row, a burrito, and a Stonehenge head. So, um, yeah, shout out to Pierre for sending us a bunch of shit, and definitely check out his book from Fanagraphics coming soon. All right, lastly, we do want to give a shout out to a friend of the show and future guest, Mark Kopranarov, who has a message to all of our listeners. Uh, he writes, hey, gutter gang, help a motherfucker out and tell your comic shop to order Giant Santos Sisters number one from their Diamond Previews catalog this month. is being published by Floating World Comics. Whisper this code in their ear. J-A-N-2-2-1-4-4-4. They'll know what it means. Hell yeah. Yeah, so if you do not have a copy of this uh, excellent, excellent comic, please do go to your local comic shop and request Giant Santo Sisters number one 
Uh, and they will uh, place that order through Diamond and uh, get it into your grubby little hands to enjoy. Uh, it yeah. is one of the best books of last year. Uh, number two is well on its way soon here, I think. Jaime Hernandez said it was one of his favorite comics of last year. So, Yeah, rightfully so. It's a great fucking go. book. I think it's one of those weird things, too, where like I feel like this comic uh, will be talked about quite a bit by readers later, mm-hmm. like later this year. But uh, it's something that was slept on a bit last year and was really only hyped up or discussed amongst other cartoonists. And right. I think uh, that's because uh, we know what the fuck is up. And uh, mm-hmm. when we see quality- It was our quality, favorite book first, folks. Yeah. Yeah. When we see quality, we have to point it out. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to join the bandwagon early before all of these grifters start hopping on the train, get that order in ASAP. Again, that code is J-A-N-2-2-1-4-4-4. And, uh, and support your local comic shops. Yeah. And if the first print goes up in value- you can look forward to seeing my copy on eBay. Ah, uh, there you go. I don't know if I... Yeah. Uh, do I have two copies? I'm just kidding. I love that book. I would never sell it. I would flip it if it went for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm broke, okay? so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be with uh, Alex Knoll. So, uh, stick around. We'll be right back. One day, while combing the beach, Amber and Alana discovered a pair of beautiful medallions. What happened next changed their lives forever. The Santos Sisters will have you laughing from cover to cover as they fight crime, date dumb dudes, and just deal with everyday life as young women in the world. Coming in at a whopping 56 pages. This comic is printed with a four-color web press on decadent newsprint. All that for just five bucks? The number one source for underground comics in Chicago, Quimby's, says this about our comic. A style that's part Archie, part superhero, part snark, but it's all fun. And we think that's just sick. The Santos Sisters is available now in select comic book stores and online at santosisters.com. Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums, M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29. As she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the imminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky, her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on BusterKegel.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out. Now, back to our program.
and welcome back from the break. Uh, today we are here with friend and um, excellent Chicago-based cartoonist Alex Knoll, author of books Are Comic Books Real? and um, Lawns from Kilgore Press, his self-published miniseries Kids with Guns, and his um, current series Objects and Mirror Closer Than They Appear. Uh, what's up, dude? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, pretty good. So uh, we are still at Hawking Hills. Um, this is just the... Uh, you know, the place we came to do a lot of interviews with creators. We've been talking to Alex about getting him on for, you know, over a year, which is the story with everybody. It's we just have so many people we want to talk to. And uh, we're finally glad to make it happen. Um, Alex has been working here at the retreat. And um, just to kind of start off, like, what has your experience been here? Uh, what have you been working on? Oh, this has been wonderful. This is just like the highlight of the year for Absolutely. me. Absolutely, yeah. So many great folk, wonderful accommodations. We got massages today. Felt good. Feeling pretty loose. Were they feeding us well? Yeah, I feel yeah. loose now. <laughs> yeah, it's been wonderful. I've been working on um, a short story that uh, uh, I've kind of had sitting in the, the to-do folder for over a year now. So I thought that would be a good thing to, to start on and see how far I could get with that. Is it for an anthology, something you're putting out yourself? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would hope to, to send it to someone. I mean, I've had a few things in the last two issues of Rust Belt and Sean's. I said, can I, can I send you more? He yeah. said, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, if not him, maybe somewhere else, but yeah. Hell yeah. Before we get off anthologies, uh, your piece in Now, the most recent issue, was yeah. fantastic. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, I know that... Uh, Hartley Lynn uh, from Popats, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Popats yep. uh, drew it, but you had written it. But it was an actual strip you had done first. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So Hartley is uh, one of my favorite cartoonists. I think Young Francis is one of the best graphic oh, novels yeah, I've great. read in ten years. It's just so good, um, and his cartooning is so clean and, and economic. And uh, uh, he has a way with character. He writes some of the best like literary fiction characters mm -hmm. I, I I can think of. You know, like I mean, people that uh, you know don't 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 seem too extraordinary but are very memorable in uh in their own way i'm really interested in uh writers that can can do that and um yeah i he ordered something for me he's in canada so i felt so bad he paid out the ass for shipping and right. uh <laughs> so i stuffed in a bunch of you know little minis and stuff and um one of them was uh uh, this little mini I did for um, Chicago Zine Fest, like three days before the fest, I wanted to have just like a little, a little freebie or you know something, something to give out. So it was a, I took just a, a single sheet of paper and I folded it pamphlet style, so that you, there was you know six like uh, long long pages and um did a story that way and uh that was like my my giveaway but that was real witches about this these two kids that run away from home and live in a play place in mcdonald's and uh he, he i sent him that one and he messaged me back and he was like thanks for the package uh hey i really love this story can i redraw it and and kind of adapt it and uh you know i just i just want to play around with it and I was like yeah go, go ahead right, and then yeah. like he, about a month later he was like yeah so I'm gonna send it to fans <laughs> cool with you I was like yeah sure um I love his version and uh yeah printed really well and uh yeah and I really like that that now series I I think maybe I, we were talking about this earlier this week like yeah. some, sometimes they're they're a little even if it's like hit and miss there's always like one artist in there you're like whoa this is this is cool i've never heard Absolutely. of them or or uh you know i'm glad this person got in there but i think the the issue 10 the one the one we're in is just like one of the best ones they've they put out so 
I agree. Yeah, it was a really strong issue, like as far as, you know, start to finish. Because like you said, that's my assessment of it as well, is you're always going to find something good that makes it worth the price of admission, but sometimes some some of the stuff doesn't always land, but it might land with someone else, you know? Um, Right, right. And I do appreciate that, that they take a lot of risk to put in some really eclectic stuff that's like, is this a comic? I don't know. know, But, (laughs) you know, someone someone out there might like it, so. Exactly, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you did mention, you know, Chicago Zine Fest and you were or are still one of the organizers. I'm one of of the organizers, despite not having a fest in the last two years. And I, you know, hope, hope we (laughs) we get to do it, but we'll see. It's uh, yeah, it's been something I've done for almost eight years now. So. Yeah, it was the first show I ever did. I have a really uh, fond place. I think that's where that. I met you. Yeah, yeah, I met you like 2015, 2016, that's somewhere right. around there. Yep. Um, you yep. were one of the first people I met in comics mm. outside of Javier and oh, stuff. Man. So. Oh, yeah. Um, Shit, that guy. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. And um, you did that reading. You guys did the, yeah. the Kanye reading. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> and I yeah, remember yeah. thinking, oh, yeah. this is the most fun reading here tonight. <laughs> this yeah. is great. I just wanted you two to riff for like 20 more minutes. <laughs> that was so strange because like that was pretty early on when I'd started making comics and I was like, man, I, I should not be here. You know? Oh, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, um, no, no. But you know, Javier drew that book. I just wrote it. So, you no, know, I felt was... like, I was like, ah, oh, he got us here. You know, you whatever. guys are having fun. And that's always the, the nice part is when you, see someone read or perform and and they're having a good time with it yeah hell yeah well you all did do a digital festival in the wake of the pandemic yeah yeah so we did um you know uh, an online reading and um you know promoted folks um pages and stuff through through the the zine fest account which you know it's every every festival did some variation of that and i get it i totally understand why you know they would want to do that to continue to support but it it, it's wearing thin on a lot of people and i think and i kind of like well if we don't have a fest this next year i i don't even know if we would want to do another thing like that just just because it's it's wearing thin but um you know we're we're doing this thing on uh uh, monday right with uh the the block the block party yeah selling selling stuff so that'll be that'll be a good test of the waters to see like okay maybe we can do smaller zine zine events throughout the year rather than right you know one huge day where we're getting you know two three thousand people coming yeah. through the door it's a big show <laughs> yeah so as an organizer um and if you don't want to talk about it it's okay no, but no. as an organizer how do you feel about the effectiveness of replacing a physical zine fest with something digital do you think you know with your experience with it do you think that it's overkill do you think that the festival should be doing this it's good for the creators to get you know the content mm-hmm. out of course but as an organizer do you feel like it's effective i'll say as an organizer that i think it gets the word out about people who whose work needs to be promoted and it highlights that there's still this community that is supporting one another and making work despite, you know, all the stuff going on in the world. As a zine maker, comic artist myself, I know that it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily work. I think it's it's it. You know, it's twofold. Where you know, every everybody's in person show is going to be different. You know, I've had my own shows where I'll go to people and be like, "Boy, this one was a dog, right?" And they're like, "No, I I made out with five hundred. This is gonna like, how? What, what am I doing wrong? Or you know, vice versa. Like, yeah, I can actually afford the 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 place." 
place I'm staying in this this trip. Oh, really? Can I bunk with you? Because I can't. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's just the nature of of doing these shows. You know, sometimes it's it's uh, it's gonna work, it's gonna not. But as as far as the digital component goes, I feel like everybody's been just on their devices so much for for you know every every other thing that um, doing a uh, a virtual zine fest is kind of wearing out its its welcome. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, uh, it, there's no way you can replace the experience of being at a physical space with all of these people. Yeah, here's what I'll say about it. It's like there is so much work that goes into doing the in-person fest that it's overwhelming and you're kind of like, when the day comes, I get I like I get nauseous every morning before. Oh, <laughs> so, I'm you know, sure. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, of course, someone's gonna die today. It's gonna yeah. be my fault. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. and, but there's little to no work that goes into doing the digital one. Right. So it's almost so underwhelming that you're like, well, I hope somebody like. <laughs> something that happens at this so that it was worth it, you know? Uh, but, um, more often than not, it's just a lot of folks, you know, re, re, uh, blogging or posting folks, uh, uh, stories or work online, which is great. You know, don't get me wrong, but, um, I think there's a big difference between going up to a stranger's table at, at a fest and being like, Hey, I've seen your work online. I just wanted to meet you, say hi, as opposed to like sending them a, a, DM. a DM on it's like, <laughs> yeah. hi. Yeah. It's <laughs> not <laughs> Again, not the same. Not the same. Right. Going back pre-COVID, you did a couple of other different zine fests in terms of like tabling. Mm-hmm. And not to put you too over, right? But Chicago Zine Fest was always consistently the best zine fest that I ever got to table at mm-hmm. in like the entire year. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've done LA Zine Fest. We've done sure. smaller shows, uh, a smaller zine fest and, mm-hmm. and you know, but... Uh, Chicago always came out on top every year as the zine fest to go to. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you had a, a good time at it. We do, too. And, um, you know, all the other organizers, uh, you know, really work their asses off. And, and uh, I think we try to try to do that every year. Trying to be as objective as possible. Did you ever have that feeling when you went to other zine fest and be like, we did this better? <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I would never say we did something better. I would say, well, that's an we interesting would. way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because you guys listen to yeah, the podcast. Alex is a little You're more like, diplomatic wrong. than we are. Yeah. <laughs> so that what's really cool about you know the Zine Fest organizing scene or, or comics organizers is that um, there are a few like um, groups on Facebook that basically welcome any organizers to share like, Hey, we need to get uh, renter's insurance. How do we go about that? That's cool. And we've had a lot of help from other fests and folks who do, you know, stuff, large scale stuff like CZF does, or even smaller, smaller shows. But yeah, one of the best shows I ever did was one of my first ones was, was Scranton Zine Fest in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. I knew nobody there. I just went on, like, I was on this high of like, I've got books, it's 20 bucks a table. I'll buy a cheap, you know, fl- I'll, I'll fly out really cheap and, and go in the middle of the night, spend the night there and come back. And it was, you know, this almost like craft makers fest with like a little bit of a punk edge. They did a like punk show in the, the room while, <laughs> while people were selling. It was so much fun. And, you know, I always remembered that experience. So when we were, you know, trying to like 
come up with like workshop ideas or like, okay, how can we have some other component of this fest rather than just people selling stuff? You know, they were one of the first ones I thought of. I was like, I got to reach out to them and, and, you know, see like, how do you, how do you do like some of those other events going on while the, while the show is happening? So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of work for, you know, all volunteer run and you want it to be fun for, you know, the tablers for, for yourself and and all the vendors so um it's you know it's a collaborative effort from from everyone yeah definitely i mean it's it's clearly community driven and the people that turn out are just as excited as the people tabling and organizing you know like it's it's a very infectious kind of vibe you guys have going at czf and it's really great it's it's a very positive experience and as someone who's not as positive about most things i would say it is a beacon of hope (laughs) Uh, within the zine and comic making uh, world, uh, so thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for. I, we will. We'll see you again sometime there. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we were kind of going into the direction of you know where you came from in comics. You know that first uh, zine mm-hmm. fest that you mm-hmm. went to. But before we get there, I just want to let the listeners know um, Alex is currently sitting here in a uh, <laughs> Chicago getup. He's got a socks hat, a socks jersey, the most Chicago dad outfit. <laughs> yeah. So, but. I want to say this. And, and my goiter shirt. Don't and a goiter shirt. Goiter. But Josh moved. He left Chicago. So he's no, not Chicago he's, anymore. He's not, nope. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> and this is coming from somebody who is also sitting next to somebody who lost their Chicago pass, JB. Yeah, so true, I just want to let true. you know that, you know, I keep it, you know, pretty uh, even keel as I far as my judgment. I can't think of living there. anywhere besides Chicago. That's what I wanted to get to. Because I, I love, I love Chicago. Yeah. It's I, a, it's a fucked up city with plenty of problems and and uh things that are not good but uh, i mean like we were saying earlier that the community there like all right like i i wanted so much in my life what i have now in chicago yeah like all through school all through early college you know did not have what what i have now and i i just feel so lucky to Mm -hmm. feel like i've got friends i can be comfortable i can explore i I can be outdoors indoors and find a new place every every week to go to it's it's never felt boring for me there and um i kind of always felt like when i did travel a little bit more like i would go to other cities and feel that and i do to it to an extent but i'm always just so happy to be be back home it's very reassuring to hear that because where I was going to go with that line of questioning is like, you know, of course, when when you think of uh, Chicago, you know, I guess the regular alternative, you know, comics fan thinks of Chicago, you think of people like Chris Ware, Dan Klaus, people that have sure. taken their trip through there. But I really, when I think of Chicago and I think of like our contemporary scene right now, what's going on right now, I always just, you're the first cartoonist I think of. Like, <laughs> so to me, you're like the Chicago cartoonist, like, you know, and I don't know if it's just because you're like the first one that I had met. I don't know what it is, but that's just yeah. where I go there. And I think that it's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that like, you know, it's also something like that comes across in your work as well, you know, when you, uh, you know, make your comics. And I just think that it, you have such a strong identity um, and I think it comes through in the work. So it's Thank really you. good to hear you say Thank that because you. you pretty much answered my question without me having to answer <laughs> it. So you're never going to leave. I I don't I don't see it anytime soon. Yeah. Um, you know, me and me and my partner Hannah are, are really comfortable in our place and we're not around a lot of like the place we're at is like kind of near Midway Airport now. So mm-hmm. it's it's out there. So we don't have a lot of like 
close friends around us. That's the only kind of like, and you know, we, we, we moved there during the, the pandemic. So we were kind of like, well, we're not going to see people any, anyway. We might as well, you know, move, move somewhere that, that we can afford and, and, uh, uh we're not tempted of. or anything, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, we still, we still manage to, to, to go out and see folks and everything. So no, no, I, I want to stick around as long as I can. Hell yeah. So now I want to get, you know, a little bit to your history and, you know, what you're working on and so forth. Sure. So when did you start making comics? Cause you're, how old are you? I'm 32. 32. Okay. So you're born in 89. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Same age as me. So when did you start making comics? Did, were they always around when you were growing up? Like, you know, if you don't mind explaining no, your relationship no. with comics I've been up, drawing, kinda, I've yeah. been drawing stuff since I was like, I, I knew I was going to be a cartoonist when I was six years old. Okay. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I was going to try and do in some capacity. I'm from a very rural area in uh, Western Illinois, um, where there are, you know, there's no store, certainly no library, no, uh, um, there's a little park and two churches and, you know, anything you needed, you had to drive, you know, to the nearest town to, to go get. So I don't really know how I, I had books in the house, but we, we did, I, you know, my mom read to me and, you know, eventually I became, you know, really comfortable in, in just reading on my own and finding characters, redrawing them, doing like one of the first books I did was like a, basically a ripoff of a Mercer Mayer little critter book. Mm -hmm. And I just put in my own like little snake character. Nice. <laughs> so it was just copied word for word, but I was like, and, and I read it in front of my first grade class. And like, uh, I just, I, I just always felt comfortable doing that. And, um, it wasn't really until maybe junior high, high school that I got in, started getting into comics. I never got into like Marvel or DC stuff. I wasn't, I was even like, if like, you know, I would watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid, but like, you know, I, I think I knew they were a comic book, but I was like, I'm not interested in reading that comic. I only wanted to be in like the animated right. world, you know, like it was, it was, it was that weird thing where I was so comfortable in one world. I wouldn't dip my toe into the the origins or the, the genesis of where it came from. But, um, uh, I distinctly remember when the American Splendor movie came out, I got really interested in Harvey Picar. That's where I got, you know, introduced to, to Crumb, um, Gary Dumb. Uh, and I love these I, this idea of all of these different artists writing or adapting these stories by this just ordinary guy. Right. You know, and I, I got that. They came out with like that, that big omnibus uh, when the movie came out. And I, I got that and, and just read it like front to back multiple mm -hmm. times and started doing my own little like <laughs> same same sort of thing just copying that like curmudgeon -y character but it was me at high school you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it was like yeah. just like here here's here's our man you know roaming the halls of uh, united high school mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and i would show them to like people in in classes or if i drew somebody in the story i would be like look look i you made it in the new <laughs> the new episode and uh some people would get a kick out of it but it was always encouraging to get to find it experience something and be like ah that's a story right, right. i'm gonna go home tonight and draw that so i think that's where it kind that's where the the crossover would happen for for me where, where i'm at now and and how i work 
So did you have a relationship with comics pre-American Splendor? Yeah, I mean, I read newspaper stuff, but like our, our newspaper section was so sparse. I think there were only like 12, com- you, had, you know, you had Peanuts and Garfield. Right, right. I think like the, the one odd one that I didn't see in other papers was Alley Oop. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. I can't remember who 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 drew it, but it was like the first one I read where it was a, it was serialized. You know, you had to read every day to figure out what would happen next, mm-hmm. and it was like this caveman who time traveled, I think. And I must have got. I, I don't know. I would I would go to my grandma's house right after school, and that she would have the paper out for me, like you know, comic section ready to go for when I sat in her recliner. And um, yeah, I I just remember that like being like really exciting moment of the the day it was to figure out what <laughs> what was going on with Allie and, and yeah. his his time traveling buds. <laughs> and I drew like I again like it's it's all imitation, right? The first like twenty years, you're you're starting to do stuff. You're just copying what what you find interesting in that time so i did for three years a um like a, a newspaper strip right right every day about the grim reaper and his dog living in like <laughs> suburban illinois or something and and i would show it to my mom every day you know yeah yeah so i i i worked up that mentality of like doing it do the work do the work crank it out and um i think it just it just morphed into different projects throughout uh throughout my young life and were you actually publishing this stuff or was this just for you I tr- it was well I mean the only I never published it in that I made copies or anything I tried to I tried to use the church's copier to make uh, copies of the the American Splendor ripoff, and yeah. but I got caught doing it, and like, they were like, <laughs> "You can't, you can't use the copier for this." I didn't like, you know, I was like printing like 70, 80 pages of of the same story over and over, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, they were like, "Yeah, please don't do this." So, and I, I felt so good, you know, it was like one of those like, "Oh, I got caught, like I'll never do it again." Yeah. Um, so no, they just sit at home in in a box somewhere, but uh, they're fun to pull up and you know laugh at how bad they are now or how uh, amateurish they are so what was your first published comics when did you start feeling comfortable enough to do that and do you you recall what it was i moved to chicago in 2011 knowing that there was a quimby's there that you know jeffrey brown chris ware ivan brunetti were there yeah and i was like i'll go there they they live there so i'll i'll find them (laughs) uh so i did a comic called and again, in the, the vein of like Brunetti, like early schizo, you know, shock, shock humor or something. It was called Morbid Dork. And um, I did two issues of it. I did a third, but I never published it. But I remember taking copy and I, I, I you know, went to the Staples and used their, their Xerox and just uh, cranked out like 100 issues of it. And um Took it, took it, you know, to Graham Crackers, Quimby's, all the, you know, the, the local places. And uh, I just remember this sense of euphoria that like, oh, something I, I did is out there. Right. Yeah. It's and I like, you know, probably went home and just started on the next one or something. But um, uh, I got really tired of doing that series really quickly because, like I said, it was cheap, gross, gross out humor that I think I like that stuff, but I think you have to be really, you have to be really good to, to make it work. And I, I couldn't, so it wasn't very comfortable for me. But um, then I got like into like uh, uh, James Kolchalka's American Elf. And I like that idea of the daily diary stuff. So I, I, I had this thing about auto bio that I was like, I really like hearing about other people's lives, even if they're not all that 
together interesting, but I like the different styles and you know, he he did he did just four panels, you know, and they're really small and you could just you could just blow through one of those those books. You could read a whole year of a guy's life in like thirty minutes, which right, I thought, well that's yeah. interesting. So I tried to do that on Tumblr, doing like a, a comic a day on my Tumblr. And that that's kind of where I was like I felt like I hit some sort of like, okay, I'm getting a little bit of an audience or I'm like figuring out here's the tone of of what I want my my stories to be like or you know how mopey or how how maudlin do I want to be with my my character or my life but then like you know I was working a job as a janitor at a gym and you know I thought okay so here's some I I I found like material from that to use that would go into later stuff. So it was it was a good way to mine mine the field for uh, material that that I would come back to, and um, that kind of morphed into the teaching stuff when I got that job. And once I started doing. staying in that same vein of like, you know, okay, here's my daily comic for the day on Tumblr, but it's about I'm starting this job as a teacher. That's when like people started to seem to really respond to it or like they're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Or, oh, yeah, I I know the feeling. And I was like, oh, okay, huh, that's interesting. And I tried to think like, are there any comics out there that are specifically about teachers, teachers teaching? I couldn't really think of any or at least none that were that were going on at that moment. So I decided to just follow that thread and, uh, uh, once I had like, you know, two years of, of that stuff, I thought, well, I want to, I want to have a book. I've been doing this like five years now. I want to have some actual book with a spine that like, you know, has my name on it. And I did like an Indiegogo campaign for, for teaching comics. And, uh, that after, after that, then it really was like, okay, I want to do this like every year, every two years. I, I want to just kind of keep putting stuff out. It, it is interesting to hear that, like you started in this place of kind of general fiction Hmm. and then into autobio Mm -hmm. and then and now there seems to be kind of a return to fiction with your most recent body of work yeah yeah and i think i mean when i was like growing up i wanted to if i wasn't going to be a cartoonist i was going to be a like a novelist or a playwright or something you know i always had an interest in literary right yeah i was just going to say i remember we learned couple of days ago that uh, you were into theater, right? Yeah, yeah. As, as a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did me and two buddies, we had a little group that would perform skits and full-length plays and stuff in college. And so how much of that carried over to how you approached to, you know, writing a comic script for one of your books? I, I learned really early on writing for the, the stage you, you need to have, even if it's two, three people sitting at a table, there needs to be some action happening okay. to catch the viewer's eye or ear. Mm-hmm. And the subtle ways that you can do that in theater are really interesting because all it takes is maybe a, a coffee cup falling off the table mm-hmm. and that sets something else in motion. Or, you know, somebody's shoelace is untied and they bend over, hit their head, fall over. You know, it, 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 you're really in a box where you, you're, you're limited to uh, uh, what you can do. And I thought... That's kind of the same way with comics and well, you, you, you can have anything happen in the comic, but but then it's not really that much fun. You know, you need to have those limitations in in the fiction writing for like kids with guns or or objects and mirror. You know, they're all set in the same town. Mm-hmm. So like it's the rule is, OK, that's the stage. Here's here's the, the performing space. How far out are these characters going to be pushed where 
they have to leave that space or they, they have to, we have to show a flashback or something to uh, bring, bring a, a different perspective into the story. So just playing around with some of those, those literary tools is exciting. And I honestly feel like I'm still kind of learning how to, how to use them and uh, make the best use of them. Yeah, I'd imagine it, it is a little difficult in that there, it's not a one-to-one, right? No, I don't think so. Do, do you ever catch yourself like uh, when you're rereading a script or a rough draft or whatever, do you play these things out in your mind or do you actually, you know what I mean? Because I know some script writers need to like... I revise a lot. So like for Kids With Guns, I did the first chapter four times Okay. in different sketchbooks throughout like a number of years where I was like, I know this is a good germ of a story. I just have no idea where I would go with it. So I would just kind of <laughs> redraw it or, you know, I was like, okay, I'm a little better of an artist now than, than I was, you know, a few years ago. Let me try just going back and, and uh, doing it again. And I feel like the more I drew that first scene, I would, I would go like, oh, you know what, this, this section doesn't work here. I'm going to, I'm going to change it. So that it was interesting to me to look at all of them and see the variations on each each version I did and then I would figure out okay now I have a direction to go in and so are you are these uh, scripts do you do them as thumbs with text first or or do you write an actual script and then start doing thumbs or like how does that play out it's weird man it it changes literally every project Um, for kids with guns I literally just opened the first page of a sketchbook and was like okay here's a here's a bunch of dolls and then the second panel is a toy gun being aimed at them and I thought, okay, the gun's got to shoot and it's got to hit one of them. Which one's it going to hit? You know, so it plays moment by moment for me. But then I think maybe the one problem or issue I have is like, I'll, I'll get so comfortable in that mode and then I'll think, oh no, but what if I don't know what's going to happen? I should type it out. So then I will start to type out, okay, okay. issue three, here's what I think's going to happen. And typing it out helps get all the the bad ideas out, you know, cause I'll, okay. I'll look, I'll go back to the, yeah. the written stuff and I'll go like, I can't use any of this. This is awful. <laughs> like, but it, 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 it's, it's essentially just doing that first drawn version. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's again, just changing instead of drawing the next issue four times. Right. It's let me get all the, the just first ideas I, I have, uh, on paper and, you know, cut and paste or, or, uh, you know, rearrange some scenes. But even like for for like for our comic books real the that's all like old material and i was like mm-hmm. well i want to try and use this material to show some sort of narrative here some sort of even though it's just a collection of moments in the classroom i wanted there to be a little bit of a narrative and so that actually made me look at old material and see how how was my thinking in 2015 the same or similar in 2018 Mm -hmm. and what stuff could I cut or you know go back and change just a little bit so that it fits this earlier story so that it all threads together rather than just being you know here's what I got here's 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 five years of material with no interlocking narrative or anything hell yeah Uh, yeah so the reason why I I bring that stuff up is because like talking to Caroline and, and obviously cartoonists to cartoonists, everyone works differently, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. all just kind of take notes and see what works for us and kind of dispose of what doesn't. Yeah, It's interesting to see people flesh out the story completely visually with notes, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they are just drawing out the comic with multiple rough drafts. So they're just redrawing these panels and layouts and characters, trying to see what works for the story and what helps make things flow and click rather than writing out the script. It's just interesting to see people work differently that way. And I would imagine it's like so labor intensive to do that. 
but also it is more effective in that since this is a visual medium, you really do want to figure out how all this stuff is going to play out on the page rather than just rewriting scripts. And then by the time you get to drawing it, you're like, wait, this doesn't actually work now. You want to get it right. You want to, I mean, for, for me, when I'm doing like a kids with guns or, or the story I'm working on now, I want to evoke, I want to keep a story and narrative going, but I want it to ultimately end on this feeling that will hopefully resonate with the reader instead. I, I, my, my goal, I guess, for everything I do is I want it to be done well enough that even if it's so short, you'd want to go back to it. Mm -hmm. You'd want to go, huh, that left me with a strange feeling. I'm not sure how I feel or, oh, I feel good after reading that or I feel, I felt something. And, and I, you know, that, that, that's how I feel about the, the stuff I'll go back to is I remember feeling a certain way when I got done with that story and I want to revisit that feeling. Not, 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 not even necessarily the story itself, just the experience of what the, you know, the power it had over me. Absolutely. So one thing I wanted to talk about was your approach to, you know, your work. And um, this is kind of, you know, just stuff, you know, I put together from seeing, you know, things other people have posted. Um, your new series is Objects and Mirror Closer Than They Appear. And I believe you had posted that it was more on the fly, your approach to that book. Whereas I've seen with Kids With Guns, MS had posted when they visited you, you know, this room and it had all these like, you know, papers all over the wall that mm. was like all about this universe that Kids With Guns was, you know, set in. Yeah. For the visual, um, it's like the Charlie from It's Always Sunny meme. No, I'm just joking. It's not that messy. But yeah, you had papers. And so it seemed very organized and very, you know, meticulous. So is this something you change up to challenge yourself? Do you get bored with one approach and just try to do another? Like, you know, if you don't mind explaining, like how you decide how to approach something. Yeah. So now that like all the teaching stuff is done, now I've done these three books about the teaching trilogy is over. My long-term goal is to work on these books and stories that are all set in this one town. Okay. And there's, you know, about 220 people in this town. And ideally I will do a story or a book about every person in the town. Mm -hmm. So like a Winesburg, Ohio or, or a William Faulkner sort of uh, approach at at doing this world building stuff where you, you'll see other characters come into other books and you know, you'll, you'll, uh, you know, it's kind of like inside insider jokes or inside like, Oh, if you read lawns, you'll see Roger again in, in, in the woods somewhere. And I always just like that sort of, uh, Richard Scary's little, they're busy world, right? Where like, you're like, Oh, it was just so much fun to see even like lowly in the background or something. Mm -hmm, You're like, mm -hmm. Oh, he's probably on the way to the, the, the grocery store or something. Um, even if it's like X-Force when you see Wolverine show up and you're (laughs) like, Hey, that's the guy from X-Men. That's tight. I love Sex Force. That's my favorite. Yeah, hell yeah. It's my favorite Marvel comic. <laughs> so yeah, the idea is for what you probably saw MS post is I have I have a a map of the town and I mm-hmm. have like next to it a key of here's where Roger lives, here's where Milo and Mel from Kids with Gun lives and that gives me, you know, okay, so for this book or this story it's just going to be like this section of the wow. neighborhood or he's really close to the park and the park has, you know, this guy that lives there, you know, yeah. underneath the the slide. So, you know, that it puts a different uh world inside my head that I get to sort of walk and it, it, the 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 town is based exactly on the the map of my hometown even if it's not exactly the same people or anything. But um, I feel like I have enough stories ready to go that I can put people from that town into 
the story. So it's it's a little bit less work for me to think, okay, who's going to be my main character? Who's going to interact with them? Or where where's it going to be set? You know, as long as I know, like, I've got a house, a backyard, woods, a church, a post office. You know, I have these five places that I know are in the town. I have a place where, where people can come and interact or come through and, and you know, some, some sort of story will happen. It's like Sims, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely light them on fire for some scenes. I admire that, though. I, I, you know, you're telling me this and, you know, I'm just sitting here just in awe because that's incredible because I couldn't see what it was up close, you know. Sure. From yeah, the, but no, yeah, that's no. seriously an incredible approach to the work. And uh, we got some questions from people here mm-hmm. at the cabin and you've already answered both uh, naturally. So uh, <laughs> right. we'll get into those at the end. But I do before we get into those, I do want to get into your uh, educational background because, you know, like you said, you did a. A, a teaching trilogy, which was yeah. all about you, uh, you know, teaching different groups of children in a classroom setting. Is that what you went to? You went to school for being a playwright. Is that right? I was an English major. English major. Okay. Okay. And I st- I had a minor in theater, but I dropped the minor just because it was, here's the thing about theater. It's really fun when you just get to get up there and play and tell a story. When you get into the business of theater, you realize these people are psychopaths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. I just, I really did. I moved from one, one group other. of psychopaths okay. to another. Cool. <laughs> But comic people are more fun than playwrights there or actors. I'll, I'll just say that. No, I had okay, I got into teaching because I would go to a bar okay. at, in Chicago after I got off my shift being a janitor. And I would doodle at the bar. And the hostess would see me doodling and go, oh, what are you drawing? And I would go, oh, some dumb, dumb stuff. And she went, oh, that's so funny. My stepmom is getting ready to run this um, after school program uh, with Columbia College. They're looking for artists to uh, work with with kids. Nice. Um, you should, if you're interested, you should go to it. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I have no educational <laughs> background <laughs> at all. <laughs> which, wasn't, which wasn't entirely true. I had worked with kids like before, like um, I, I actually, I taught Sunday school for, for a number of years. And, uh, that uh, makes so much <laughs> sense. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I, I like being around kids and, and whatever. But, uh, you know, I had no, I had never been in, front of a classroom or anything and and uh definitely did not feel like and i i went to like the orientation or whatever and they were using yeah they were like our pedagogical exploration is going to be uh aimed at these uh these they were using they were using all of these uh these terms that i just was like this is going over my head i have no idea what they're talking about but they took me on and I just sort of felt, I really just fell into it. And then it opened up another door where somebody else said, we need uh, a, an after-school artist for this elementary school. Mm-hmm. And then, a, you know, another one for a, a teen center at the local library. So I, I just kind of hopped around from classroom to classroom and... I loved it. I just, I really did. But I, th- I feel like, cause a lot of people said, well, why didn't you become a teacher then? And, yeah. um, I just felt like I was given like the, the, the best opportunity before having to do any of the hard work, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. literally they would say, we don't care what you, if you want to do comic books, great, but they have to be in that room for 45 minutes and do not let them, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. their, their parents come at six and when we have to keep them, <laughs> they're paying, you know how much they're paying for, for this program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, that's fine. As long as they'll 
do the work and and want to be there, I'll 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 do it. I think it's because you slowly realize that you're more a warden than an educator <laughs> at that point. <laughs> well, I mean, sh- Chicago teachers uh, especially are given such a, a bad rap and uh, absolutely deserve more more resources and and uh, money than they're they're given. So yeah, I, you 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 have to have some some grit and fight in you to be a full time educator and. Um, I only have so much. To yeah. give. <laughs> but when I would, but when I would be there to give it, I would, I would try to give it, you know, my all, or I would, I would really want to be, because you know, like, I mean, working with kids is the best because they just, they, you give them a blank piece of paper and they're gonna put something on it. Right, right. It really helped me in some ways where I would get stuck in my own work and I'd be like, well, Jesus, if George can do it, <laughs> you know, and he's, he's this six. little eight-year-old yeah, is pumping yeah, me yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, um, so eventually. Actually, like, I would start printing their comics and taking them to shows and showing people just because not like to, to make money off. Well, of them. yes, yes. <laughs> child labor. <laughs> it's legal, folks. Don't I, worry. Would, <laughs> I would say and I would go back to the, the next class and be like, guys, we sold we sold thirty dollars at cake. That's great. Right. And they, they would be like, oh, can we get new crayons with it? Or can we get, oh, you know, they, you know, they, 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 they were they were adorable. invested. They were invested in it as like a way for them to like put their work out and, you know, see the funds coming into you know, either print more of their work for them to take to parents or, um, you know, get, get new supplies or, I mean, that's how we got our long arm stapler to make their comics was, was by, was by them, by them making them. So I always, whenever I do do a show, I bring some copies of their stuff just because I feel like it, all it takes is for someone to see a a comic, a finished comic by a kid and remember that feeling of what it was like to sit down at, you know, the kitchen table or on the floor and just drawing for inventing a world, you know, for hours on end. Yeah. And that, you know, that brings up an interesting point in that people almost by nature are intrinsically wired to draw at an early age because mm-hmm. they're, they're still figuring things out, right? Like they're still kind of making sense of all the stimuli outside of them. And drawing is one of those ways to help them make sense of it. Mm-hmm. But as we get older, the tendency to draw is unlearned in this weird way. So you getting to work with these kids and make these comics, uh, do you hope that they kind of continue that? Like, have you seen that? Like, I, I guess, cause you've been doing this, you've been teaching for so, not so long, but mm-hmm. a good chunk of time yeah, yeah, at yeah. this point. I, I feel like in the class, the ones that really want to like make comics, like they'll come up to me, they would come up to me like during lunch or something and they'll, they'd have a comic they made at home or something and nice. be like, look, look what I did. Or like, uh, you know, they'll say, oh, I, I just read bone. Like, have you ever read bone? I'm like, yeah, I read bone. <laughs> you know, you like, oh, some connect. And like, I, I always feel like, Oh, well, if they never made another comic again or anything, like, you know, that's that's something they have now. They have some sort of thing that, like, you know, it led to them reading something or it led to them, you know, just even having an hour of quiet time. Yeah. I think was really good for some of them, even if they never drew it another picture or comic again, if, you know, they were able to have some peace, safety and, you know, reassurance that they weren't going to be judged for something they they were doing then i felt like that was a successful class hell yeah so what's the future hold for you is it more objects in mirror what are you working on next yeah so i'm i i have been working on these shorter stories that it's weird i've had like 
I've had more stuff like come out this year than <laughs> than I, I, I was I was telling somebody the other day I was like you know the pandemic sucked but like it was so good to me <laughs> yeah 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 it was it was it was the best time for me as creatively you know I mean I think that brings back to a point that's been made on one of these episodes I can't mm. keep track now but you know talking about how there is a boom right now in terms of just the amount of comics that are coming out mm-hmm. and a lot of that is because we we're, we're stuck at home you know mm-hmm. and granted a lot of us are doing this anyway but the fact that now it's like full on <laughs> society is like you can do this now <laughs> yeah. well yeah I, I don't even think it's society i think it's it really is comics community but also readers Re- like when when kill when kilgore did this kickstarter for this last iteration of books dan put it at like I think it was like twenty five thousand, and I, yeah. I I called I called my buddy Mike Fryheit and was like, we might have to pitch in some money for this. Like, this is not <laughs> who in the world is going to give Dan twenty five thousand dollars to print these books, and we had it in a week. Right. We, you know, right. it was it was incredible how like by day one, nearly a third of it was met. And like I asked him, I saw him, and I was like, you know, not not to say that he wouldn't have got it or anything, or like that he's he wasn't capable of doing it. But it was like, how do you think that happened? And he said, people want comics, man. People and yeah. and all the comics in in this this run are so good. Mm-hmm. And you know, without shows or even just what we're lucky enough to get to do here this weekend, just be around one another and feed off of um, each other. There's uh, well, it's like feeding off of creative energy, but it's also a little bit of like, ah, shit. Caroline got two pages done today. I've got to, I've got to step it up. She can't, she can't be the best of, of, of be, get the best of me today. Yeah, everyone's feeling that on this side, looking at Blake. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah, no. pumping out pages. Dude, that, this has been my first introduction to Blake's work. It's oh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's the best action movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, in yeah. his head. It's incredible. That's what I'm saying about like that gross out stuff or that stuff that. Like I guess it's genre, right? He's like a dude's rock soldier. That's yeah, what it is. And, yeah, and like hundred no, percent I mean, genre. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean that just to be able to commit to that idea for I mean that's got to be a hundred hundred fifty pages he's sitting Easily, on up yeah. there, and, and you know he he does it so well, and you can you can see that in in uh in he's just committed to it, and I think that's the thing for me is like it took me a, I was always ready to draw and make comics. I didn't know what I was ready to commit myself to, so yeah. I'm I'm thinking the the objects in mirror that's going to be kind of like kids with guns where i'll serialize each chapter and then try and collect it somewhere but kind of staying in that again in that in that little town and find uh problems for, for yeah, the, yeah. the people to to uh come in contact with so is there going to be a collected kids with guns have you figured out what you're doing with that i've sent it to people and and uh you know it's it's uh it's a no-go right now so i might just do it myself but uh either way it'll it'll happen it'll get out there hell yeah yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I feel like it'll, it'll, yeah, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, Alex, where can uh, people find you on the interweb? Yeah, Instagram, Alex Nall Zero, number zero. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a website or no? Yeah coming soon okay so that's a no <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's one of those things where you're like why bother right 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 <laughs> but then you're like oh, i should probably do this because uh-huh. you you need you need to at least have that so um yeah yeah it'll it'll be coming do you have a big cartel anything where people can pick up these books store envy is what i use and it's alex Nall comics 
Okay, hell yeah. Now, before we go, I just want to put you on the spot here. Best Chicago cartoonist. Best, just one. Best Chicago cartoonist. Or at least uh, top three. Yeah, How about top, we make it? Because I, I don't want to do that to Alex. Yeah, He's yeah, a yeah. sweet boy. I don't want to do that. Um, See, because like three is already hard enough. Yeah. You don't make... I, I feel like, so like, you know, like I said earlier, I moved to the city because I knew, I like, Brunetti was like my guy in college yeah, where yeah. like I just everything he put out his whole his his aesthetic his writing the cartooning book and he has the best redeeming arc in comics I think where he he's, he goes from this very bitter sour uh, self-deprecating man to in issue four of Schizo which is my favorite comic book that's the big uh, one right that's the big that's one the that's the oversized one, one. that yeah. is the best one and it's that's the one where you actually see him like like turn inside himself and, yeah, ex- yeah, and yeah, examine, totally. examine, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> and he does it in all these, you know, brilliantly colored and deceptively simple doodles, right? Mm-hmm. But there's there's so much heart yeah. in them and soul. So he, I think for me, he, I, all, I reread his stuff every year just because, again, it's that feeling that I'm searching right. for. And I, I, whenever I get done with any of Ivan's stuff, I leave with a feeling. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's cliche to say, but I mean, Chris Ware, same, Chris, yeah. same thing, you know, I, I cry every time I read one of his books. Mm-hmm. You know, that feeling of existential ennui is mm-hmm. so hard to get or it's it, it, it's against deceptively simple. You know, you he, he'll do that thing where it's 20 pa- small panels of, you know, <laughs> woman drinking coffee cup. But yeah. then in one <laughs> but then you find the one panel where she puts her fingers to her <laughs> eyes and you can see the weight of time. And I, I, I just I live for that shit. You know, I, oh, I, yeah. I think he gets, you know, the moment to moment acuity of life so perfectly and then okay so that's this those are the two big ones my buddy mike centeno is one of is one of the best cartoonists working right now Mm -hmm. and same thing where he he writes with with such a tender soul and it it comes from this place of displacement of being being a stranger in a strange land and coming to terms with sort of the dread we're all we're all uh, experiencing right now but again with this really swift edge of of humanity that i think people can take for granted and i i always leave with that with his stuff so please go check out mike's work it's mike centeno uh, c e n t e n o yeah uh he's he's cool he was cooler before he was on Netflix, yeah. but now he's, got, now he's got an ego about it, so I don't know. I was on that one, too. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> you're, you're Mr. Chicago, okay? Yeah, we like, literally, you are. You're fucking outfit. You look like a mascot. It's insane. Uh, all right, well, folks, that does it for this episode. We want to thank Alex for uh, joining us finally on the on the pod. Great to finally have you on. Uh, love you, man. You're, you're, you're awesome. Thank you so much, guys. This is great. Yes, yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, and stay gutter. Stay gutter.